This podcast is brought to you by Legend Comics and Coffee in Omaha, Nebraska. Hey, uh, this is Jim Lee, co-publisher of DC Entertainment, and you're listening to Two-Headed Nerd Comic Comic Cast. (laughs) Let's do that again. No, it's it's good. Done in one. All right, we're done. (laughs) Listen to it. With Joe and Matt. With Joe and Matt? Yep, those guys. Those guys. The figureheads. The figureheads. There you go. Awesome. Thank you. Break it, break it down like Let's this. bitch about comics. Welcome to episode 86 of THN, where we're talking comics and nerd news for the week of Wednesday, October 17th. My name is Matt Baum, at Matt Baumstein on the Twitter. And when I'm not flipping through binders full of women looking for a qualified female host for this show, I'm appraising comics and writing the Comic Speculator blog for WorkPoint.com. And I'm Joe Patrick. At Joe Patrick 116 on the Twitter, and when I'm not flipping through binders full of dudes in my spare time for entertainment purposes, yes. air quotes, I'm the artist of Good Plus Online and manager of Legend Comics and Coffee in Omaha, Nebraska. This week, you'll hear reviews of Marvel Now! Point one, and Ultimate Comics Iron Man, number one. And then, we'll review ten more comics faster than women working flex time hours can get home to cook dinner during the ludicrous speed round. After that, we'll pay a visit to the THN Sanctum Sanctorum. Drug abuse, supernatural aids, and a little scientific know-how will help us learn the secrets of next week's comics. And finally, don't blame the players, blame the game, because the comic pushers are back slinging some highly addictive comic product in your hood, and while that crap is going down, we're going to be reading your answers to the question of the week. But before we get to all the political maneuvering and character assassination, let's take a second to congratulate candidates Obama and Romney for sounding so much alike, it's almost impossible to be excited to vote for either one of them. And then, we'll talk about this week's big news! On this week's new comic book day, a California federal court judge granted Warner Brothers' request for summary judgment in the long-running court battle between Warner slash DC and the heirs of Joe Schuster. In an interview with Comics Alliance, attorney Brandon McFeely, I do not think he is involved in the case. I think they just needed an attorney to talk to. (laughs) He was the guy that we made sound like the crazy evil person, right? No, that was uh, Mark Toberoff. Oh, that's right. Jew. Who is super evil. (laughs) And not because he's Jewish. Not because he's Jewish. I'm Jewish. Brandon McFeely said... evil for different reasons. Stop it. Sorry. Brandon McFeely said, quote, the facts are that Schuster's heir, his sister Jean Peavy, made a deal with DC Comics while negotiating with Paul Levitz in 1992. In the course of that negotiation, she got DC to agree to pay the final debts of Schuster's estate and to increase survivor benefits that DC was obligated to pay to Schuster's heirs. In return, and after Levitz apparently told her straight out that this agreement would represent the author-slash-heir's last and final deal with DC and would resolve any past, present, or future claims against DC, she sent DC a letter that, among other things, said that she would not attempt to reclaim the Superman copyright. And because this happened in 1992, which was after the passage of the Copyright Act, the judge found that this renegotiation constituted the Schuster heirs' final waiver of any right to terminate the copyright. So they're stuck with the agreement. There it is. I, it seems pretty open and shut. Why did it take so damn long? I don't know. Were they just sitting on this and just before, before the judge was like, if there's no further evidence that I think we have a verdict here. Your Honor, <laughs> one moment. Now, of May course, I present to you a letter. <laughs> of course, appeals are expected and the case is only half settled. Sounds like they're the, done. Well, but the battle between DC, Warner, and the heirs of Jerry Siegel is still ongoing. Yeah, boy. So, but assuming any appeals from the Schuster estate are similarly dismissed, DC's right to drive Superman straight into the ground is no longer in question. (laughs) They fully own 50% of the character and everything that goes with them. So, hooray for corporations, I guess. He doesn't have to become Senior Super. (laughs) In other news, legendary horror filmmaker George Romero has confirmed... Isn't he like 130? He old. He's really old. He has confirmed that he'll be writing a zombie comic for Marvel. Don't look for another Marvel zombie spinoff, though, in an interview with Twitch Film, which is actually a really good site. Twitchfilm.com, guys. Romero said, quote, I'm writing it now, but its plot is a secret. Well, I can tell you it won't involve any of their ongoing characters. There will be no superheroes. That's my George Romero. This won't be (laughs) Romero's first time writing comics. The godfather of all zombies wrote a short-lived series for DC called Toe Tags back in 2004. It was not good. No, it was not. Let's hope the fans respond a little better to this one. 
I am not excited. I don't care, I even don't, a little. I don't care either. And if you continue to watch George Romero's uh, like zombie films, like Land of the Dead and where there was like a king zombie that led them around yeah. and like king zombie tried to show them how to live. It was ugh, Listen, he, if George Romero said it, it must be true. He made some great zombie films. Some of the best ever. I love them. I hold them in very high regard. He's getting older and he needs to stop. Well, <laughs> aside aside from it. George Romero, aren't we done with zombies There's, as a thing? I've, it's I feel like it's been what? 10 years of this like walking dead persists and gets more popular because it's not about zombies right 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 it's about the people dealing with zombies but all of this other like zombie nonsense it's hard to care I just uh, i'm i'm over it i'm not vampire over it but zombie I'm over strippers it. yeah wait you're not vampire over it yeah i'm way over vampires you know like i'm past that <laughs> In movie news, The Hollywood Reporter is reporting that Mary Jane Watson will play a small role in the Amazing Spider-Man sequel as the studio builds up to an adaptation of the Death of Gwen Stacy storyline. Other sources report that Descendants star Shailene Woodley has been offered the role. She sounds like a country singer. She's super cute. She'd be perfect. Uh, She is also in a horrible... ABC Family Show called The Secret Life of uh, an American Teenager or something like I that. I don't know that. Yeah. She pregnant. She got pregnant. Ooh, Teenager sh- pregnant. Ooh, Shailene. <laughs> uh, I think that that is kind of speculative. I doubt they would really announce that yeah. they're going to do the death of Gwen Stacy. Yeah. I think the Hollywood Reporter is talking out of their ass. What's her? What's the girl that played Gwen Emma Stacy? Emma Stone. Yeah. I mean, like Emma Stone was like, what? <laughs> yeah, well, I mean, yeah, we're gonna break your neck in the next one. And <laughs> other things I saw, they were like, maybe that's why Emma Stone's contract negotiations were so difficult. Oh, it's like, oh maybe she didn't want to keep playing the same character for ten years. Maybe. Meanwhile, it seemed like the long rumored Justice League movie will become a reality following Time Warner's recent court victory. The LA Times has reported that the film will start shooting in 2013 for a summer 2015 release. That's pretty fast. Placing it squarely in opposition with Marvel's Avengers sequel. Apparently, the ongoing court battle would have prevented Warner Brothers from using many key elements of the Superman mythos. Like Superman. After 2013. <laughs> you can still use Superman. The rest of it can like, be there. <laughs> the costume, Krypton. Yeah. Crypto. Uh, but now, however, it's all systems go. So we know it's happening, but no further announcements regarding directing or casting have been made. So we don't know how or by who, which makes it sound a whole lot like the Mitt Romney tax plan. <laughs> now, if they're going to start filming next summer, they better have a damn script done. I mean, you can't just say, yeah, let's do it. We'll just write it along the way. Ugh. This seems really rushed. They are going to get clobbered. Right? It's going to come out like this, a month after I Avengers, just, and it's going to get demolished. I don't know how this could possibly be a good idea. I'm saying, guys, slow down. Take your time. You know? So you, you've got the, you won the court battle. Let's take some time. Let's write a real script. Let's put some thought into it instead of just like, I mean... Far Justice League. There is, I mean, how hard is this? <laughs> Screw you, Marvel. What do you think of that? You know, uh. Well, there. What's being reported is that they're going to take an opposite tactic to Marvel, whereas they're going to spin their individual character movies out from Justice League rather than build to it with I individual think they have characters. To. Mov- I don't think they have movies. time. I mean, Marvel well, certainly not. I mean, Marvel's like ten years ahead of. Them yeah, we'd have to have six business. years of development to get to Justice League if we were going to do yeah. Flash. Uh, uh, Green Lantern. And I will be dead by then. <laughs> yes. Six years. This God. podcast will certainly be a, yeah. a burning cinder. <laughs> I like the idea of it. There's still that spark inside me, that that ember. This just seems so rushed. I don't want to be rushed, Ugh. but I want to see Superman I mean, unless, and Batman on the screen together. Maybe they have been sitting on this script, just waiting. Maybe they've got it, they've been sitting on it, and it's just waiting for the court battle decision came in and they make one phone call and go yeah but you know what i i think maybe we talked about somebody that they got to write the script but it usually was goyer wasn't that david goyer no i don't think so but it usually ends up being the same guys that churn out the rest of their crap like yeah guys that have worked in comics that have done comics i enjoy but like look man i do not want a mark guggenheim justice league no he helped write green lantern no i don't want it no 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 so i don't know it's tough to get excited i'm hopeful but i I'm ready to be disappointed, I guess.
That's the big news for this week. If you'd like to discuss these stories or anything you think we missed, head over to our Facebook page, where if you're ready to be disappointed, you can read my script for the new Justice League film, where Earth's mightiest DJs assemble for a wicked DJ battle in a dark, urban setting a la Steppa 3D. (laughs) An abandoned warehouse. DJ dance fighting with DJ WW. Wonder Woman, y'all. Yeah. And Hal Jordan's going to jet ski in. No, no. That's a different movie. But it's in the same universe. No, No, it's not. He's not a professional jet skier in this one. Okay, that's what a, you're rebooting jet ski? How Jordan? It's a different treatment. That was like six years ago. Oh, okay, we can man. reboot it now. They did two Hulk movies in less than five years. Get it together, Warner Brothers. Every Friday, my boy DJ over here posts that's the me. aptly named question of the week, and then we read your responses on the air, making you instantly internet famous, Joe Patrick. What was our question of the week? This week's question, who is your favorite Justice League member from any comic incarnation, and who would you cast to play them in the upcoming movie? Good question. This is fun. We've got some good tweets here. The first, and perhaps most interesting, comes from uh, writer Mike A., who suggests Gerard Butler as Steel. (laughs) Uh, Dude can make a goofy red cape look badass. No hammer needed, only a beard. Hi, I'd like to introduce you to Steel. <laughs> he is a black man. He is a black man. Uh, <laughs> and you I, know, maybe he means something else. Yeah. And I think, it, Joe, you hit the nail on the head. We were discussing this right before we read it. You can go the other way, but it's really hard to come back. You right. know, like you can make the kingpin black, but I don't know that you can make Steel white. <laughs> you know? His I name is John Henry Iron. I would certainly not want to try it. He's named after, like, the steel-working, you know, yeah, hero steel of American man. culture. But, hey, listen, who doesn't love Gerard Butler? I don't love Gerard Butler. He makes <laughs> bad movies. Uh, Natalie writes in also via Twitter, first-time contributor. Welcome aboard. I love it. Female listeners. It's awesome. It makes me... It was, I, it was turned into a real sausage factory here for a while there. Man. <laughs> she wants Green Arrow on the big screen, and... I do too. She likes that he has no superpowers and he's underrated and it would be kind of good for dramatic, you know, tension. And she suggests Jensen Ackles uh, from, he plays Dean Winchester on Supernatural as a younger Holly Queen. I really, really Listen, like it. Natalie, we are huge Supernatural dorks. I really like it. But if it ends Supernatural, I'm totally against it Here, because I love Supernatural. <laughs> here's a true fact. Matt and I in our monthly D&D game, have twin halfling uh, characters that are brothers, and they are patterned after Sam and Dean from Supernatural. Sam and Dean Bigglestone. <laughs> They're halflings. It's out there now. It's out there. Also named after Branwen Bigglestone. Branwen Bigglestone, who's got the best name in comics. And it's just cute as a button, too, she is. She had its Danger Club for Image. It's true. And our last tweet response was from John Grigus, or Grigus, or Grigus. John, whatever. Sorry, man. Zatanna by Salma Hayek. Uh, I'm not. I don't hate it. I don't, I don't hate it either. The problem is Salma Hayek can't act. Oh, stop it! She can't act. She's terrible. Academy Award nominee Salma Hayek. Oh, please. She's all chest and they painted fake that accent. unibrow on her and handed her a statue. Oh, give me a break. She can't act. She's terrible. Gorgeous, but terrible. Listen, I support you, John. We're off to a good start. We'll check in with our Facebook responses later in the show. Bitchin'. I'm cool, keep cold, ripping them seeds. I'm hyped for the critical beatdown. It's review time on THN, where each week we take an in-depth look at two of last Wednesday's new comics to tell you nerds why or why not they are a better use of your time than following the presidential race. Amen. Matt, tell us what you read this week. This week, I read Marvel Now! Point one by Nick Spencer, B.M. Bendis, and that's how I'm referring to him from now on. <laughs> Jeff Loeb, Kieran Gillen, Matt Fraction, and Dennis Hopeless with art by Luke Ross, Steve McNiven, Ed McGinnis, Jamie McElvey, Mike Allred, and Gabriel Hernandez-Walta. B.M. Bendis. B.M. Bendis. <laughs> point one issues have come to mean a lot of things at Marvel, but their main purpose was to be jumping on points. And this, as stated in the title, is your jumping on point for the new Marvel Now universe. Here we see six different stories by different creators featuring some new and some old characters in different roles and on different teams being set up in the new Marvel Now you. 
With a $6 price tag, I have to wonder how many readers dismiss this issue as a preview comic that will probably be reprinted in the first issues of the titles previewed. Something we have definitely seen Marvel do before, but it's not. This is 64 pages of new original stories that are setting up the titles. Think of them as little tiny zero They did the same thing last year. Uh, We reviewed that book as well. Those were original stories. They were not. It's true. Just excerpts of number one. The story here begins with the new black Nick Fury and his sidekick, Agent Coulson. Nick Fury Jr. Black Nick Fury. I have to keep calling him Black Nick Fury. Okay. Black Nick Fury Jr. (laughs) All right. Can we... Can we settle on that? Okay, sure. Okay. Black Nick Fury me, Jr. and his sidekick, Agent Coulson, speaking with a time traveler held in S.H.I.E.L.D. custody, warning the two of things to come. And as he spins his tail, we get brief looks at the new Guardians of the Galaxy, the new Nova, the what's probably going to be the new Young Avengers. It's said it. Matt Fraction's new FF, and the new Cable and X-Force titles, with stories that loosely tie in to our unknown time traveler's warnings. Which looks to lead into a new Secret Avengers title starring Black Nick Fury Jr. Okay, good. That's better. All in all, this was really well executed. It was fast-paced. It's a fun look of what's to come in the uh, Marvel Now You. We see the origin of Peter Quill, Star-Lord, in B.M. Bendis and Steve McDivitt's story. Jeff Loeb and Ed McGinnis give us a peek at the new younger Nova who mentions Rich Rider and sets up this mystery as to what happened to the Nova Corps. Miss America, who's dropped the Chavez from her name, shows up to have Korean barbecue with Loki in the preview to Gillen and McKelvey's Young Avengers series. I don't remember her hopping from dimension to dimension. Yeah, I don't either, but I didn't finish Vengeance. I did. So... And I don't remember a lot of what happened in Vengeance. <laughs> That's because it was <laughs> written by a drug addict. It was forgettable. Scott Lang, Ant-Man, is dealing with the death of his daughter, Cassie, at the hands of Doctor Doom and doing so poorly in Fraction and Alred's FF. Which, which... I adore it looks like it's gonna be fun that was a really like, cute story editors are hyping it which is, is what they do but they're saying look you guys ff is gonna be your i think it's new gonna be a favorite it's gonna be a blast i'm thinking it's gonna be the underdog in the in the marvel now relaunch but this was my favorite story in the book it was really good i loved it i thought it was gonna take this weird vengeful turn and then something really funny happened. yeah it's great yeah but i don't know how they're gonna sell a book with ant-man she thing <laughs> like it's she hulk and who's the other member medusa from the inhumans it's all women and ant-man and ant-man that's yeah. fun hey. that's fun and finally forge is going crazy as usual when cable comes to him sans techno-organic arm asking for his help in the preview to the Dennis Hopeless and Hernandez be, Walter Cable be, and the X Force. Salvador LaRocca is the artist on this upcoming series. That's right. But he backed out and Walter did this lead in. And Cable's arm was really gross. Yeah. Well, if he you had recall. Like, he had like a baby arm. Like when you take a cast off that you've worn for a long time and it's all shriveled. Yeah. <sighs> if you recall, I think at the end of Avengers X Sanction. He lost the tech. They took the techno organic virus. He was cured of the techno organic virus. Yeah. Um, so, yeah. There you go. Good for that guy. Marvel now appears to be off to a good start. And I know Joe and I tend to get excited every time Marvel announces big changes, only to be let down later. But I would argue that while Fear itself and Avengers vs. X-Men did fizzle out, the individual titles themselves have never been of higher quality. The same creators are here in slightly different roles, and I'm really excited to see where this goes. That said, do you really need to drop $6 for this one? Probably not. I think if they wanted to do this, it should have been a two ninety nine comic book for with sixty four pages. Load it up. There's no excuse not to buy it. It's cheap. Or you know what? Make it a dollar. Make it a loss leader to introduce people to this book. Yeah, I absolutely agree at, with that. At that price point, I would say buy it. At six bucks, skim it. Well, see, and I I liked it. And I, I liked it and too. I, unlike the previous Marvel Point One that came on the heels of Fear itself. Uh, this one was better. I liked this oh, one. Oh no, better. definitely. But I will say, I think this was for the for the current fans. No one that doesn't read Marvel comics is going to pick this up and go, "Oh man, I am so excited about that." This one. See, I don't know. Like that Guardians of the Galaxy story was really interesting. But if you don't know anything about the Guardians of the Galaxy, you don't know who Peter Quill is. You don't know anything about it, and you pick it up and you read the story about a kid where aliens come and kill his parents. But you can't tell me that that is like a really compelling like teaser. Like it was a good teaser. This but I'm guy, saying... this this kid is orphaned by aliens, and then he ends up riding off in a spaceship. No, I'm to t- be continued. It was a good teaser. But I'm what I'm saying is, 
the reason I loved it so much is because I'm going, that's Peter Quill, Star-Lord. Yeah. You know, that's why I'm excited. I just feel like this one was kind of preaching to the choir. And if they're going to preach to the choir, do it for a lower price point. No, I agree. I think that if they really wanted people to get interested, if they wanted everybody to buy this book, if they wanted retailers to support this book, yeah, they should have made it super cheap. Two bucks or something. Yeah. Or 25 cents or whatever. Yeah, they've done that sort of thing before. Loss leader. Make it returnable. They did it with Uncanny Avengers. They yeah. did such a great promotion on Uncanny Avengers that we were able to we, sell the comic at Legend the comic shop. for okay. half price because of the deep discounts they offered. That's a great way to get people interested. Absolutely. You sell this book and say, look, it's a preview of things to come. It's $6 and it's nothing but eight page stories that you may or may not be interested in. Right. It's a tough sell. But in terms of pure quality of the book, I thought it was excellent. I did too. I thought it was excellent. I thought it's the price point that makes me give it a skim. It. Yeah, then I will agree. I uh, from a from a business, it's tough to put in people's hands. So right. skim it for me as well. Joe Patrick, what did you read this week? My review is of Ultimate Comics Iron Man number one from Marvel Comics, written by Nathan Edmondson, with art by Matteo Bufagni, colors by Andy Troy uh. Bufa- Bufagni. Buf- no Bufagni. No. <laughs> And lettering by uh, Joe Caramagna. Here is your super informative bullet point solicitation. Bullet. Demon in the armor. Bullet. What dark motivation drives reckless Tony Stark to be one of Earth's greatest heroes? Bullet. Who or what is Ultimate Mandarin? Now, I haven't been a huge fan of the solo adventures of Ultimate Iron Man. I found some of the ideas in the previous two Orson Scott Card minis really silly as i recall he was a an indigo child or something no he his whole body was brain yeah that's right his brain was so overdeveloped that it was like growing under his skin and he had to wear that blue crap yeah to like protect him to keep his brain from squirting out yeah (laughs) that is just so dumb that's dumb it's an it's i mean it's interesting character but it's not frigging iron man it's just so it's just too much that's a super villain right right there but that said, I've always liked him as a character in ensemble settings. Like, Tony Stark in The Ultimates is hilarious because he's still kind of drinking drinking his lunch to Tony Stark. It's a good mix between the current Tony Stark, who is super cocky genius, and old Tony Stark, who was constantly drunk. Yeah. Without the messy, like, ruined my life due to alcohol abuse Tony right, Stark right. that we got in the 80s. It's more of the movie Tony Stark. Yeah, exactly at. right. Exactly right. I was, though, debating whether or not to bother reading this one, but I was lured in by Nathan Edmondson's name. And he was in my five, and you wanted to steal it. No, it was going to be... You screwed me. I didn't screw you. (laughs) It was always going to be my review. Deal with it. It was Nathan Edmondson, who recently did Dancer. Yeah, he's writer of Who is Jake Ellis, which we loved, uh, Dancer, and The Activity from Image. I've been a big fan of his work, so I picked it up. Unfortunately, though, I didn't really find a whole lot to recommend. Uh, don't get me wrong, it's fine, it's adequately produced, but that's really the best thing I can say about it. Uh, Edmondson delivers a fairly generic flashback story about Tony's overbearing father and a lost love that you just know is going to come back yeah. in some sort of evil capacity later on. Uh, in the present, all of the action is orchestrated behind the scenes Kaiser Soze style by the Mandarin, but the who is Mandarin mystery never really sinks its claws in because I've got such a preconceived notion about the character that I'm not curious. Right. If they had teased it a little better, like given a hint that, hey, this Mandarin is different, then that would have been more interesting, but you don't really see any of that. The art by Matteo uh, Buffagni is... Buffagni! Again... I really apologize. It's perfectly fine. It's not even funny. It's not funny. (laughs) There's nothing too flashy about it, though. And there are a couple of storytelling problems here and there. But it's not too bad. The biggest problem comes from the fact that each page is so packed with small panels. The creative team did their best to, like, maximize what they could do with the page count, which is great. But it leads to every moment feeling kind of small. There's no room for any of the moments that should be big to actually feel big. Even the like the last issue where his yeah the last panel, even the scene where he gets hit by a train. I mean yeah, and you know the, there's a cliffhanger panel, but there's four panels on that last page, and right. so it's just like 
by the time you get to the actual last panel, it doesn't feel yeah. big. There's no sense of scope to it. It certainly didn't feel like a mystery. Yeah. Uh, that said, though, it's, like I said, an adequately executed comic. I just can't really get too excited about it. I got to give it a skim it. Okay, I read this, and I had pretty much the same exact feelings that you had, and then I thought about it for a little bit. I don't think this comic is for you and me. I don't. Sure, of course not. This comic is being written for people that are intimidated by the regular Marvel Universe and want to dive in to a movie-feeling Iron Man comic book. And in that sense, I think it works. I think it works really well. It's, it's going to be really hard for them to get guys like you and I excited about the mystery of who is the Mandarin because we know the Mandarin. We know him very sure. well. No, and I agree, but just from a craft standpoint. From a craft standpoint, I thought it was fine. I think it could have been I thought it was perfectly better. fine. Yeah. You, you know, and well executed, but... Average it, is another word for that. Uh, yeah. It, maybe not well executed. C plus is average. another word yeah. for that. <laughs> but I do think for readers who, like I said, want the movie experience, this is not a bad read at all. And if I'm that guy... I'd give it a buy it. Me being an older reader who's been around and knows Iron Man and reads Matt Fraction's Iron Man and just gets goosebumps every month. Yeah. I can only give it a skim it as well. Yeah. I just think that there are better things to give to that. Well, and there's better things going on in the ultimate Marvel U as well. I don't read a lot. Oh, really? (laughs) No. It's well, I mean, with ultimate Spider-Man at least. Well, ultimate Spider-Man continues to be great. Right. But I haven't cared about the Marvel Ultimate Marvel Universe in some time. Yeah, it's starting to lose its identity. I, I think it's that they're taking a lot of chances. They're doing kind of interesting things with the America, you know, the setting. America's under like a crazy civil war. It's divided up by right. different factions. Captain America's president. These are all huge kind of things that you can't really do in the main Marvel universe. None of that is present here. None of it really feels like it matters to me either. Yeah. So I just yeah. am not that interested. Gotta get drunk. Sure do dread it cause I know just what I'm gonna do. Start to spend my money calling everybody honey and wind up singing the blues. Spend my whole of course, we want to know what you $6 dropping nerds and drunken billionaires thought of our reviews. So let us know how overpriced and glib our opinions were over at TwoHeadedNerd.com in the damn comment section. After last week's 24-mile freefall, Felix Baumgartner firmly claimed his badass status, but... In true one-upper form, the two-headed nerd is planning to make him look like a pansy by having the Silver Surfer tow us into space and drop us into a decaying orbit so that we can review ten comets while re-entering the Earth's atmosphere naked at speeds unsurvivable by lesser baby men like Baumgartner during the ludicrous speed round! Ludicrous speed! Go! Cyberforce number one from Image. It's the free Cyberforce number one has finally showed up. And you know what? It was fun. It was just fun. It wasn't a masterpiece. It wasn't anything real new. But they're restarting it. It's absolutely free. There's no reason not to pick it up. Koi Fam did a good job here. My name is in the book as a supporter. I thought that was super neato. Buy it. Hey, it's free. So take it, I guess. <laughs> Daredevil 19 from Marvel. Oh, man. I am caught up on Daredevil, and I can't stop. Reading it. The I coyote it. is really scary. So much. <laughs> there, this book has like a wonderful twist. Matt is crazy, but not crazy. Foggy is pissed. He's doing bad things Matt while Murdoch, drunk. Matt Murdock, not Matt Bomb. Matt Murdock. Uh, buy it, buy it, buy it. Chris Somney, I love you. Justice League number 13 from DC. The cheetah is introduced into Woo! the world of the Justice League. Yeah. Barbara Minerva. Man, is she, is she naked? Sure. She's naked, right? Just covered with a thin layer of fuzz. She's like Tiger with no bikini. She's super sexy. She still does not come off as the big bad guy that they're trying to sell me that she is. She beats up the whole Justice League. She beats up the whole Justice League, but I found it kind of hard to believe that she beats up the whole Justice League. She just kind of slapped them around. You know, I don't know. It still just isn't doing it for me. I will say Tony Daniel came on board, and his art is breathtaking. This is a beautiful, beautiful book to look at. Skim it. Hey. Still just a skim it. DC Universe presents 13 from DC. This is the first part of the team-up between Blue Devil and Black Lightning, reintroduced to the DC Universe for the first time. By Mark Andreco, right? Mark Andreco wrote it. It's kind of fun. Yeah. It's kind of silly. But it's that's what should be mostly going on. silly. Isn't that what should be going on in DC Universe Presents, the yes. B-listers? Oh, absolutely. Right. And I think it's wonderful that they're using this book in that way. Yeah. I kind of liked it. It had great art. 
Uh, there is a scene, though, where it sure looks like Black Lightning straight up murders like five drug dealers. Uh, I hope that's not. I hope that's not true. Uh, still, I liked it. I'm giving it a buy. Ex-Sanguine number one from Dark Horse. Okay, so I thought this was the story of a vampire stalking a serial killer. It turns out to be a serial killer sort of stalking a vampire. This it's is probably both. Tim kind of Seeley, who also writes Revival and writes Hack Slash. I didn't particularly care for this. I, I just not really sure where they're gonna go with this. It's sort of a weird and the serial killer is so sexy. Oh yeah, she's a super sexy nerd. Well, we just gave it totally gave no, it. No, we can say that it's the serial killer is sexy, but don't say who it is. Don't oh. say he or she. Well, the sex. Oh, okay, it could be sexy dude. Yeah, <laughs> that's true. Um, I didn't particularly care for this. I didn't think the art was particularly good. I can only give it a skim. It. New Avengers 31 from Marvel. Uh, this is part one of the new Avengers wrap-up to BM Bendis' long-term run. Michael Gatos already is joining him on the art, and it made me really, really reminisce about how much yeah. I loved Alias. Yeah. It's Jessica Jones. It's Carol Danvers being her super buddy. At first, I kind of like. I was kind of like, I do not like Michael Gatos drawing superheroes. But it by the end of it, yeah. But by the end of it, not great. I was totally. In love with it. Side note, he's been doing the uh, 1 in 10 covers for Kiss and doing these like portraits <laughs> of like each member of Kiss, and it totally looks like some like 1970s high school art project. Awesome. Yeah, it's just laughable. It's this, great. this book was, it, it was fun, and I, you know what? I'm giving it a buy it. Michael Gatos and Bendis together, yeah. winner. I love it. Zosser of Zilk, number one from IDW. You know, I, I used to say that I just can't hang with British sci-fi because it's so inherently British. And I'm sort of softened to that. I started watching Doctor Who. I got into it. Zosser of Zilk is something that comes out of 2000 AD. What that something is, I have no idea. I don't know if it was a reprint or if they're I doing it in conjunction with 2000, from 2000 AD. AD. It's a completely psychedelic story of a guy that Brandon McCarthy eats a candy called Zilk that takes him to another world where there's all these like bad British puns. And I don't know. The I, Ford Cup of Tea. The, the art was beautiful. Absolutely beautiful art. But the story is just so inherently British and psychedelic, I could not follow it. I have to give it a leave it. And maybe it's because I'm not smart enough to follow it. I'm not saying it's the actual Well, book. you are a dullard. Star Wars, Asian of the Empire, Hard Targets, number one from Dark Horse. What is with Dark Horse in these titles? <laughs> this is the return of Jahan Cross, Asian of the Empire. He's the James Bond of the Star Wars universe, yeah. except we all know that the Empire is totally evil. Well, you know. And in this issue, Cross starts to see how evil they actually are, and some interesting stuff is going to happen. Boba Fett shows up. Young Princess Leia's in there. Hey. There is a lot of awesome stuff. It really felt like good Star Wars, you know, not still bad Star Wars. Ostrander? Ostrander wrote it. The art is wonderful. It's really gorgeous. Who's the artist? I don't remember. Some Italian guy. Sorry. <laughs> you want me to look it up real quick? No, no. Let's right. leave it. That's funny. And uh, ah, some Italian guy. If you are going to buy one comic book with Jimmy Smith in it, this should be that comic book. I give it a strong buy it. I loved it. Fair enough. He plays Bail Organa. Everybody knows it. Yes. BBRD 1948 from Dark Horse. So, uh, speaking of Dark Horse, nobody is doing horror better than Dark Horse, aside from X Sanguine. But BPRD is still completely fantastic. These 1947-1948 series, they take place in the past. Hellboy's a little kid. And you're really watching Professor Brutenholm, Brutenholm who's Hellboy's de facto dad. Sort of MD first BPRD investigating these mysteries. This one takes place where uh, there's a secret government project where they're using atomic bombs to propel rockets into space. And it looks like it may have opened up a little terror reality and something horrible came through. Buy it, buy it, buy it. Amazing art by Max Fiumara. It was beautiful art. The artist of Star Wars Agent of the Empire is David Fabry. There we are. Boots, Hawkeye number three from Marvel. Okay, you remember back when Daredevil first launched and we talked about every single issue of Daredevil? Yes. Well, get ready. <laughs> this is, this might be Marvel's best comic book. This is some of the best stuff Matt Fraction's ever written. This, and I love Matt Fraction. This is like a grindhouse com It's almost I like know. a grindhouse movie. Yeah. And David Aja is like a chameleon. His art yeah. shifts as you need it to. It's so good. There's this one... <laughs> I don't want to ruin it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Leave it at that. But Leave it at that. 
it's uh, needless to say, it's a buy it. I love it. Each issue seems to be pretty standalone, so just jump in. You yeah, will not you regret it. Buy it. Kerchuk! That is your ludicrous speed round and squeak! It's the sound of Blue Devil leaping onto the hood of a speeding car and driving his trident into its engine, as seen in the pages of this week's DC Universe Presents, number 13. Yeah! Join us once again in the THN Sanctum, Sanctorum, where our good friends of Phantom Stranger and Uatu? Uatu. Uatu, the Watcher have been coaxed into some sexy pictures for our website after a little cocktail shaken up for them by our bartenders, the Psycho Man and Psycho Pirate. Now that we've got them tied up like drunk, impressionable hogs with Wonder Woman's magic lasso, it's time to paddle their nude buttocks until they (laughs) reveal the secrets of next week's comics. Joe, what will you be reading next Wednesday? Have you ever seen The Watcher's butt? It's nicer than you think. It's... It's impressive. I thought he was hiding some fatness under those free-flowing robes. <laughs> Turns out, he hits the stair-stepper. My pick for next week is Invincible Iron Man, number 527, from Marvel Comics by Matt Fraction and Salvador La Roca. I am going to miss this team on this book. Yeah. So much. This is the end of Matt Fraction and oh, Fraction and La Roca's long, long run on Iron Man that started, like, right after Secret Invasion or Civil War. Secret Invasion. Secret Invasion. Secret Invasion. Yeah, because Norman Osborn was in charge. Yes. Uh, it's been just really fun. Not and I've liked it a one lot. One of the best Marvel character studies I think I've ever read. It's true. It's true. And when it falls down on the action, it just picks right back up with the just great in-depth character studies. And it is going to be hard to top this. Kieran Gillen has some big shoes to fill. Oh, yeah. But I am pretty excited to see how Fraction and LaRocca wrap up their run. Matt, something about the Phantom Stranger's butt. <laughs> I'm excited for Ghost Number 1 from Dark Horse by Kelly Sue DeConnick with art by Phil Noto. This is spinning directly out of the pages of Dark Horse Presents where the same team has brought the character back and in a really creative, interesting way, making fun of all the ghost hunting shows that are going on right now on channels like the Learning Channel, which I think should be titled something else, because you don't go there to learn shit anymore. <laughs> Our trade paperback pick of the week goes to Mike Norton's The Curse graphic novel from Oni Press, a collection of three stories Norton created over three consecutive 24-hour Comics Day events about what looks to be a peg-legged, sword-and-pistol-wielding pirate pug. The guy can't stop riding pugs, and I, lo- I love it. Awesome. By the way, we are recording on 24-Hour Comics Day. It's 24-Hour Comics Day right now. Let us know what kind of kinky torture you're into and what your plan... Don't. Don't let us know what kind of kinky and torture what, you're into. And what you plan on reading next week over at the comment section for this episode at TwoHeadedNerd.com. Before we move along, Joe Patrick, read us some more answers to the questions of the week. And I'm sorry, folks, those pictures of the Phantom Stranger and Uatu will not be on our website because we want to continue our friendship with those guys. They're into some weird shit, though. I'll say that. (laughs) On our Facebook page, Ryan Clark writes in, Green Arrow, played by Charlie Hunnam, who plays Jax Teller on Sons of Anarchy. As long as he can maintain an American accent better than he can on Sons of Anarchy. Yeah, he slips a little bit here and there. But I do like that. That's not bad. I feel like he's a little too beefy, though. Beefy? Jax is huge. Beefy. Ryan Mount writes in and says, My favorite character is Wonder Woman, but trying to cast any of the founding members is kind of a nightmare. Yeah. And probably one of the holdups for the movie ever coming out. However... I think Aaron Eckhart as the original Green Lantern Alan Scott or Booster Gold would be the best casting for a movie. Booster Gold. No one would ever see. Booster Gold. I like I it. I think that's great. Yeah. I love Aaron Eckhart, by the way. I do, too. I, I do, too. Wonderful. Zach Hollowell co- writes in with the second half of the Blue and Gold team saying, favorite character has to be Blue Beetle. And I kind of see Edward Norton playing him. 
I can see that too. I don't know. I think I need the Blue Beetle to be a little more lighthearted. I don't see Edward, Edward Norton's pretty intense. Dude. I think Edward Norton can do lighthearted. I think though. he can do whatever he wants. Yeah, but I don't know. Rodney Holmes writes in and suggests Green Lantern as played by Bruce Campbell. Okay. Huh. Bo Zeller says Plastic Man. He's fun and still can be a hero when he needs to be. Played by Bruce Campbell, which is good. Or... <laughs> a lot of knee-jerk Bruce Campbells going Or on. a CGI Freddie Mercury. <laughs> <laughs> Whoa! <laughs> Freddie Mercury as Plastic Man. How about... Sasha Baron Cohen as Freddie Mercury as Plastic Man. Oh, there you go. You've done it. There you go. I you, got you there. You incepted it. I got you there. Candy Gross writes in and says, CGI Nort, voiced by Gilbert Gottfried. I you, like it. You know you want it. I love it. <laughs> THN Love Slave. <laughs> hold it here. It's ah, just me. Ah, ah. Why do we have to meet in space? <laughs> Andrew McBride. Writes in and says his favorite would be the Green Lantern Kyle Rayner from Morrison's JLA run, but only if paired with the Wally West Flash. And that is absolutely dead on, Andrew. Uh, I'd say Matt Bomer for Green Lantern. I like it. I don't know who that is. The guy from uh, Blue Collar. White Collar. White Collar. Show in USA. Oh, God. I got you. Super sexy gay dude. No, I know him. He's also in Magic Mike. Takes his shirt off. Sure. Yeah. Uh, Flash is tougher. I have a couple of ideas, but I'll say Ryan Quantin from True Blood. I don't know who that is either. I don't either. We don't watch True Blood. Yeah, it's too softcore porn. I feel like my wife's going to catch me watching it or something. But yeah, Kyle Rayner and Wally West in the Justice League movie. Ugh, awesome. And finally, Tony Doug Wright, THN Love Slave, suggests Dr. Fate. I think this guy is a top writer and artist away from greatness. He should be portrayed by Aaron Paul just because I'm a Breaking Bad fan. And also Wonder Woman would be a cool choice. Hollywood has binders full of women for the role. <laughs> Excellent, Tony. Nicely done without even knowing. we were. In- Perhaps he knew it was too easy. We were going to go for it, too. Yeah, he, he knows we're super obvious. TDW. Nice job, buddy. From now on, Tony Doug Wright is TDW. I, uh, yes. There it is. That's a given. You are TDW who will be called TDW. I give it the fist. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> There we go. A second. This is for all the teachers that said I wouldn't amount to nothing. It was all a dream. I used to read Wizard Magazine. Bob Harris and Steve Wacker in the limousine. Hanging posters of Thor on my wall. Every Saturday, back issue attack me some fantastic until tomorrow. <laughs> they let their comics rock until their comics pop. The comic bushes are back. And so like, <laughs> ruins this perfectly good line about Mr. Fantastic and Tio Morrow. <laughs> you just gotta let it slide like Biggie did, man. I can't. I'm not that man. I'm stopping this. <laughs> the comic pushes are back and aren't you glad? Slinging lung boxes of highly addictive product. This week, a bedwetting comic junkie named Brian writes, I know nothing about Thanos other than he's purple and likes rings. He's thinking of somebody else. <laughs> he looks like a pushover. Where is a good comic to learn more about Thanos? First of all, they're not rings. They're gems. It's the Infinity Gems, and he's wearing the Infinity Gauntlet. Yes, but I can see how you might make that mistake. So he likes gloves. Yeah, he likes gloves he with likes sweet gloves. bling on him. If I were to... Let's go first. Brief bio. Okay. Brief Thanos. bio Thanos. Thanos is a member of the Eternals of Titan. There we go. He is the brother of Star Fox, the rapiest Avenger. <laughs> yeah. Star Fox's power literally to make you want to have sex with him. Yeah. Uh, Thanos at some point And became... he's not sexy. <laughs> no, he's not. No, Star Fox is sexy. I, mean, I guess. With a weird point in hair. Yeah. He's like, uh, he's, he's like a good looking Wolverine. <laughs> sort of. Thanos at some point came to worship the physical embodiment of death. That's right. The Grim Reaper of the Marvel Universe, who Ooh. is sometimes a sexy lady. Yeah. she. Which is funny, because it's hard for a skeleton to have boobs. Yeah, it's true, but Never she's got them. That one, but she's got them. She's got them. And so he is a walking purple nightmare. Pretty much. That worships death and wants to kill everybody in the universe. They give him, like, religious space zealot. Like, death cult lunatic with crazy cosmic powers. Right. Essentially, he is Marvel's version of Darkseid, even though they came out approximately at the same There's time. There's no essentially about it. He no, is Marvel's version of Darkseid. But they, they, they came out relatively close in terms of being introduced, I feel. Well, Jack Kirby introduced Darkseid, created Darkseid. Yes, at DC. And who created Thanos? Jim Starlin. So Darkseid predates him by three years. 
Thank you, Wikipedia. Thanks, Wikipedia. So Thanos is a walking, talking uh, monster that wants to obliterate the universe, worships death, and is a, in a constant search for power to enable him to do so. And originally, he was searching for things like the Cosmic Cube or, you know, whatever. But in the 90s, they introduced the concept of the Infinity Gauntlet, which was the assembling of six infinity gems which granted the user absolute power over the entire universe. Yeah, like each gem did a different thing. Sort of like the Mandarin's rings. The infinity gems are, you have a one for time, one that controls time, one that controls power, one that controls space, the mind, the soul, and reality. This is coming off the top of his head, everybody. Yo, Just so you know. Yeah, I've done this before. It's impressive. And so... Thanos gathered these gems and nearly succeeded. He did succeed in destroying 50% of all life in the universe. And it was only through his own hubris that he was undone and, and things went back to normal. That said, if I were looking for a good primer for Thanos, one would think going back to the old warlock stuff where he was introduced, well, he was introduced first in Iron Man and rose to prominence as a villain in uh, the Adam Warlock series written by Jim Starlin. Right. I don't know that I'd necessarily recommend that stuff. I don't think you need to do that. Yeah. <laughs> it was if a little I, weird. <laughs> if I wanted something about Thanos, if I wanted to learn more about Thanos, there are three trades I'd suggest. The first is Silver Surfer, The Rebirth of Thanos. It came out in the 90s. It reprints uh, issues of the Silver Surfer series from that time, written by Jim Starlin with art by Ron Lim. It's really fun. You can sell your used copy on Amazon for 63 cents worth of trading. <laughs> <laughs> uh, it also has a reprint, uh, for some reason, of a story that was printed originally in the Logan's Run comic. What? In the 70s? Why do you know this? Because I just sold one to oh, a guy okay, the other okay. day. I was like, that's insane. Which has an appearance by Drax of the Destroyer. It may have even been like first appearance of Drax. Did they appear in the Logan's Run universe? I don't know. I think it was just a backup mix? story okay. in that comic. They won't say Logan wasn't like, oh, no, no, no. It's Thanos, you know? <laughs> <laughs> but that story is the return of Thanos after years of being dead which happened in the early 80s in an Avengers story, which is also worth reading, but I don't think you really need to go back to nah, that. No, 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 So, Rebirth of Thanos, which sets up the Thanos quest. Yes. Which is Thanos on his quest for the individual Infinity Gems, and it is a trippy, weird, awesome read. It is a good read. It's a really good read. Also by Starlin and Ron Lim. It was originally a prestige format, two-issue series. It has since been collected. No. I think Rebirth of Thanos has Thanos quest in it. So, boom, one book, and that gets you right to Infinity Gauntlet. Collect Silver Server 34 through 38, and then Thanos Infinity Quest 1 and 2, and Logan's Run, number it's, 6. No, it's just called The Thanos Quest oh. miniseries. Okay. And the final flower from Logan's Run, number 6. <laughs> and then that sets you right up for the Infinity Gauntlet, which is so much fun. Yeah. Jim Starlin wrote it. It was started off with art by George Perez, who is the master, and then Ron Lim stepped in for some reason I don't remember, and finished the series. And it is basically Thanos running roughshod over everybody in the Marvel Universe. It's huge, wacky, cosmic crossover. It's like super fun. Yeah. And super fun. Jim Starlin is really the granddaddy of all of these cosmic stories that we love from Marvel. Infinity Gauntlet is probably my favorite cosmic story. Uh, Though, you know, some of the more modern stuff, like Annihilation, edge it out a little. But yeah. it's it's so great. And just Thanos, like, ending, like, turning Wolverine's bones to jelly. You know, like, he's got infinite power. And Marvel's heroes show up at his door to punch him to death. Very similar. <laughs> like they always do. To Avengers vs. X-Men, except in Infinity Gauntlet, <laughs> the writer had the sense to know that that was stupid. All right, Hulk, I'm going to kick him. You punch him. <laughs> But yeah, if you want Thanos, those are your two books. Silver Surfer Rebirth of Thanos and Infinity Gauntlet. You will not regret it. They are awesome. Thanks for writing us, Brian. And of course, we want to know what you thought of it. So go read these and let us know if we were right on the money or not. If you can feel the bugs crawling under your skin and you've got a craving for a new read, email us at twoheadednerd at gmail.com. And this is important with the subject line comic pushers so we can search through the mountains of fan mail we constantly receive and find your comic pushers question and we will send you down a path to a serious comic addiction that might get you on the hit cable tv series intervention 
collection intervention. Yeah, collection or hoarders. <laughs> if you're lucky, it'll be comic, hoarders. Comic hoarders. Oh man, we got a spin-off show. I love it. Oh, money. Sort of break it, break it down like this. That is it for the binders of Jim Starlin created characters edition of THN. If you dig on two adult nerds talking comics with thinly veiled political commentary, you can subscribe was to this veiled? podcast. Not, it was very thinly veiled. <laughs> I don't even think it was veiled. Thinly, thinly, thinly veiled. You can subscribe to the show on iTunes, where if you want to prove your love for THN, you can leave us a star rating or a written review or both and help us get into the iTunes top 10. Yeah. Huge thanks once again to Sam McGuffey, the first member of the Vibranium Donors Club. <laughs> Way to go, Sammy. And if you'd like to keep us in Infinity Bling and flowers for our busty dead girlfriends, you can make your donation in any amount at the new and improved TwoHeadedNerd.com. While you're there, you can find links to our Twitter feed and our email, TwoHeadedNerd at gmail.com, where you can send us your love slash hate mail or the comic you would like us to review. And don't forget to check out all of the new written content I just put up a piece bitching about Wildstorm being smashed into the DCU. Next Monday, my wife Casey will have another exciting edition of Girl Meets Nerd. And our buddy Kevin Coffey wrote a love letter to Cyclops. Oh, that's right. And Kevin there's love letter to Cyclops, which is really good. And there's Dave DeMarco's weekly installments of Nerd TV. Which Casey said was a little misleading because there was a picture of... The Walking Dead that was led the story, and then it was all more Arrow. <laughs> well, that's because I did Arrow last week, and I didn't want to do the same picture twice. Well, you know, then that's editorial. Part. Hey, listen, that's what brings in the ratings, sister. And remember to follow us on Twitter and like our Facebook page. If you want to get in on the question of the week discussion, Matt and I are about to record the aptly named answer of the week, which you can find exclusively on TwitterNerd.com. Before you hear this very sentence. That's right. That's right. <laughs> Next week, we'll review Scott Snyder's severed hardcover in the latest installment of Take a Look. It's in a book for the second annual THN Metal Show in, obvi- oh, no. in observance of Halloween. Aye. Before we go, our weekly shout out goes to Jesse Blaze Snyder for being a good sport about our Evil Ernie review last week. I listened to it while walking the dogs this morning. We weren't that harsh, were we? Yeah, we, we were, were pretty, pretty damn harsh. harsh. <laughs> we made fun of it. And for understanding that there's no such thing as bad publicity, word to you, Jesse. Keep up the good work, buddy. And until next time, true believers, this is the Two-Headed Nerd, signing off.